You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of 20th Century Women. When you were born, I told you life was very big and unknown. There were animals and cities and music. You'd fall in love, have passions, have meaning. But now it's 1979 and nothing means anything. And I know you less every day. I think maybe you guys can help me with Jamie. How do you be a good man? What does that even mean nowadays? Don't you need a man to raise a man? No, I don't think so. I think you're what's going to work for him. You just feel guilty because it's just me and you. You don't know what I'm feeling. Men always feel like they have to fix things for women or they're not doing anything. Just be there. Somehow that's hard for all of you. Well, I'm not all men. Okay, I'm just me. Well, yes and no. I see the shapes. Having a kid seems like the hardest thing. How much you love the kid, you're just pretty much screwed. You get to see him out in the world as a person. I never will. you it's always about the mother okay jesus uh yeah so sweetie i don't know if we ever figure our lives out and the people who help you they might not be who you thought or wanted they might just be the people who show up Jamie, I also want to say never have sex with just the vagina. You have to have sex with the whole woman. That's slightly off topic. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for 20th Century Women, and the story is as follows. In 1979, Santa Barbara, California, Dorothy Fields is a determined single mother in her mid-50s who is raising her adolescent son, Jamie, at a moment brimming with cultural change and rebellion. Dorothea enlists the help of two younger women, Abby, a free-spirited punk artist living as a boarder in the Fields' home, and Julie, a savvy, provocative teenage neighbor, to help with Jamie's upbringing. The film is starring Annette Bening, Greta Gerwig, Elle Fanning, Lucas Jade Zuman, and Billy Crudup. It is written and directed by Mike Mills. Joining me for this 2016 retrospective podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Ryan C. Showers. Hey, everybody. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Casey Lee Clark. Hello. And Dan Baer. Menstruation. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for one of us to do it. I'm glad we saved it for last. I figured Dan would. (laughs) All right, all together now. Three, two, one. Menstruation. All right. Welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast, everyone. This is our first review of our 2016 uh, retrospective, a mini retrospective. It's not going to be as long as our previous retrospectives. And that's kind of partially my fault. I, you know, we started doing these. uh, We started doing these back with 2015, went back to 2014. And somewhere along the way, somebody said to me, you know, Matt, I know that the website started in 2016 and you have a lot of podcast reviews and a lot of stuff that you did then, but you never did community awards and you never did like the kind of style that you've been doing it over the last couple of years. And I was like, 
<sighs> okay, so here we are. Uh, for the month of September and October, we will be reviewing uh, some select movies that we never reviewed on the podcast. And one of them was Mike Mills's film, 20th Century Women, his follow-up to Beginners. Uh, the movie is one of those independent features that has garnered a lot of acclaim, uh, not just since its release, but also uh, since the time of its release as well. And we're going to get into the reasons why it is such a beloved movie by many, many people. Let's first start off with, uh, say... There's a lot of us here. Uh, who do I want to go to? It's like I, I usually go to like Dan by default or something. But uh, why don't we why don't we hear from Casey? Casey Lee Clark. Tell us what you think of 20th Century Women. Oh, me first. Great. Um, well, I guess I should start with how I saw this movie, which technically was in 2017, because even though I do live in a major city, we would still get those late year releases kind of early into the following year. So I saw it in January 2017. And specifically, I saw it the day after the Women's March. And so it was a very heightened Mm. (laughs) mood in Philadelphia and around the country. And seeing this film, which in that opening weekend, they a portion of all the proceeds went to Planned Parenthood, which Planned Parenthood plays a major, somewhat major part in this film. And they were like a consultant on it and whatnot. But it's one of my it's my second favorite film of 2016. I love it so much as someone with a very close relationship with my mother and just a very maternal person. These types of films just melt me. And then I think I love the way that it's shot and the way that it alternates with describing the time period and the history, but also with this hyper-specific story and with the multiple narrators. I love all of the characters. I love all of the performances so much and the writing and I think I've seen it now a couple of times since the release. And I feel like the old, the more time passes, the more I can connect more to it. And the more I notice certain things about the script and the characters that I just fall in love with more and more every time. And it's just one that I keep waiting to, for the shoe to drop of like, oh, do I like it as much as I did then? And I almost think I like it more. And that's saying a lot because I fell in love with it the first time and the ending just makes me sob uncontrollably. <laughs> so yeah, it's a personal favorite of mine. I was so happy that we were going to be talking about it here. And I just rewatched it a couple months ago in quarantine, showing it to my boyfriend and he loved it too. So I was really happy to talk about it. That's awesome. Dan Bear, now I will go to you. What do you think of 20th Century Women? <laughs> it's just such a lovely movie. Mike Mills has a really heartfelt style and one that feels genuine and I guess deep in a way that I I don't I think is all his um the the empathy for the characters and their surroundings is so palpable in each of his movies so far and I just love it and this film in particular just has some really beautiful performances um, I am in love with the cinematography of it and the the score, both the original stuff and the the tracks that they use. And I, 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 I wish that I loved it to the level that I have seen other people love it, but I, I think because I think it does have some some slight issues, but it's just so it it gives me this warm glow inside whenever I watch it or even whenever I think about it, which is really, really nice. 
So the glow that Dan is alluding to is the color streams that come from the car during the highway scenes. <laughs> uh, let's hear now from Josh Parham. Josh Parham, what do you think of 20th Century Woman? Well, I also would uh, first like to say that, uh, like you, Casey, I did see this movie first in early 2017. I actually think I saw it like a week before the Oscar nominations. It was very, very close to that deadline that I was trying to hit for myself. And I remembered really loving it back then but to be honest i have not really revisited it since then and it seems kind of weird for a movie that i thought i really really liked and revisiting it now i have to say that i am i'm still in love with it i am uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is such a a wonderful movie like dan had said before and when i really uh, connect to this film with is that I find it to be so interesting in the way that it plays with perspective and um, kind of a, a relationship to time and the way that we tell stories and our memories of our family members. And I find I find all of that really, really interesting and so captivating in the way that it is actually told through Mike Mills's direction and his screenplay. I think all that is really, really captivating. And I love all of these performances, for the most part, I think there's one or two that are good but aren't as great as some of the other ones. But it still all is in service to a really lovely movie that is so profoundly emotional. And I, the emotion kind of crept up on me this time. I didn't really expect it that much. And it's just such a purely, I think, brilliant piece of cinema. All right. Okay. Nicole Ackman. So if you guys uh, have been keeping up with the retrospectives, you'll know that a running theme for me is that uh, it's typically my first time watching the movie, but that isn't true for this. I actually watched this movie for the first time in January of this year, whenever I was working on my um, end of the decade ballot for Next Best Picture. And I had a couple of people who I think are both on this podcast <laughs> tell me that I could not do my uh, end of the decade stuff without having seen this film. And after watching it, I can say that they were absolutely right. I watched it again, and I loved it even more the second time. I was really blown away with it the first time, but my star rating, which you'll hear later, actually went up half a star in my second time watching it. I think about this movie a lot. There's a specific line in it that I think about a lot, a lot. I also just think about Greta Gerwig dancing a lot. <laughs> um, but I think that this movie is obviously one of the best of the year something really beautiful and i think that it's a really fun film in that the more times you watch it i think the more that you can get from it and i just love movies like that so i am a big fan all right and ryan c showers huh, all righty well i saw this movie back in um 2016 and casey just you know whenever you said that you saw it right before the women's march i gasped um i i was like oh my gosh um but no, it's a weirdly personal film on top of being such uh, an artistic one. Um, I sp the thing I love most about this movie um, are the montages um, that are created that intertwine the characters with um, culture and history. And they really describe this moment um, in American history. Um, and it's uh, combined that with the voiceover. It's just uh, there's something really special about it. Um, I also love the, the, the approach that all of the characters may, um, that they're asked to, to make, um, with this single mother, I was raised by a single mother. So I really, I was raised 
all by women, essentially. So again, I have a personal sensibility that draws me to this film too. Um, in, in addition to an intellectual one, because I think this is a very intellectual movie. Um, I also really think um, Annette Benning's character is, uh, she's very interesting. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with her. I think it's probably one of the most interesting characters Annette Benning has p- played throughout her entire career. Um, you know, you can't really put her into, you can't really categorize her into one, as one thing. And um, she would be a very um, cool person to dissect. And um, the I think the film is at its best whenever it's really uh, peeling back layers of who this woman is. Hey, hey there. there, I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) I saw 20th Century Women at its world premiere at the New York Film Festival in 2016. And I loved it when I saw it, and I rewatched it again for this retrospective, and I still love it today. I think that Mike Mills is a really, really fantastic filmmaker. He's only made three movies. He has a fourth one coming out, hopefully, later this year, called Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And I think with this movie, especially compared to Beginners, I really, really felt like a real leap an evolution for him just as a storyteller and as an artist. There are a lot of things that he does in this that really help this movie to feel um, not just of a time and of a place, but also timeless in so many ways. And I think a large part of that has to do with some of the uh, Richard Linklater style of characters just kind of sitting around and talking, vibing. You know, there's not really very big dramatic moments that happen necessarily you're kind of just hanging out with these characters and getting these really incredible portraits of who they are and you know it's interesting ryan when you were mentioning uh just a second ago about like how you'd want to sit down and have a conversation with uh dorfia uh, as uh you know the character of dorfia in this movie 
I think Mike Mills does such an incredible job with the backstory and also to the after story in terms of where they go beyond the narrative and just everything with the characterization of each person in this movie that they all feel so intricate. They feel so dynamic. They feel like real people. They don't feel like movie characters. And in a lot of ways, I feel that it's kind of like, I know I mentioned Linklater before, but it also feels like this is like Mike Mills' Roma, if you will, where it's drawing upon so much of his memories of his own mother and his own childhood that it feels so intimate and so personal in its details that you can't help but just be swept up and transported by the affection, the warmth, and the... Um, level of emotion that is poured into each and every frame of this movie. It does weirdly feel like kind of a mixture of both Roma and Boyhood to me, which maybe just because we talked about Boyhood quite recently and that was fresh in my mind. And I think that the way that it does go about really exploring the ideas of memory and looking back on your life and how things aren't always going to be very linear and that you're going to jump back and forth, but it's all sort of working within the same framework for all of these characters. I just found that to be so fascinating and completely unique, um, a unique way to go about telling that type of story. And it was just so invigorating. Like whenever we would get these montages of this very warm narration that was also that had so much sadness to it as well but it mixed that with the joyfulness and it was a very weird set of emotions that i thought the movie balanced quite perfectly and it was just awe-inspiring to be in those moments and the ethereal quality of the score too uh just feels so uh tranquil and really transportive i feel like i almost i i i i immediately wanted to after this latest viewing i uh, wanted to download the score so that i could fall asleep to it at night actually well, so. and you know combining <laughs> both of what you guys just said the the sense of sadness which josh i really think that the film encapsulates and the ending especially is so sad um but then, Matt, what you said about the score, I also think there's another dynamic to it. I think that the camera movements are very interesting. Um, I feel like there are several moments where um, the camera just kind of pans across um, Annette Benning's shoulder as she's sitting pensively. And there, uh, it's just there's something really beautiful about all these things in combination with, with each other. And like I said before, tying in the larger historical um nature of the storyline and the moment in time and the um this uh, this is a little bit wonky but like it this movie takes second wave feminism but makes it feel very fresh and modern because some sometimes uh, in the modern day we look back at second wave feminism and we're like eh, you know th- there's there's a lot of criticism with it um but this movie makes it feel makes it feel just as relevant as as anything that's happening today i want to uh touch upon the feminism part but before i pass that off to you guys uh to talk about that um i do want to just make one comment there ryan and i did notice that there was a repeating (laughs) um tracking like dolly shot that mike mills Uh does into uh doorways whether it's pushing in or if it's pulling back and in a lot of ways i almost felt like that was almost like an invitation if you will to allow the audience to come into uh, his own private space 
you know, with this story. And then in other times also kind of pulling us back and pulling us out. And I think there is kind of that, that like that sense of leaving and like, um, as you mentioned before, like the sadness, if you will, that these times are fading. And I think the camera really, really does accentuate that at times. So I just wanted to comment on that. It's well, melancholy and it's really, really beautiful melancholy at that. Yeah. yeah. If, like if nostalgic melancholy. <laughs> yeah. There's a going off of that zooming in and out thing. There's a specific shot. I think it's when Abby's taking Jamie to the club with her where it starts zooming in a little bit on Dorothea and then it almost zooms back out. Like she just can't fully get to Jamie and fully get to know him and see him the way that everybody else does. And it's so, so beautiful to like visualize these really complex feelings in that way. And I don't know how Mike Mills has done it, but he, he did. I also think, you know, there's so much of this melancholy in the film and what the characters are feeling and what they're experiencing. But I think what's really impressive is how it also captures the way that you look back on your childhood with that sort of melancholy, even in the happy moments, there is that sort of sense of, you know, it's past and it can't ever happen again. So I think that it's so interesting that it kind of colors the whole film, even in the more upbeat moments of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and how it also looks back on that time period in American history. Um, Nicole, don't make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and also, like, having that sort of feeling for the future, too, right? Like, I was watching this, and there's that beautiful... There are a few beautiful moments when the characters talk about, you know what happens in the future oh it's impossible to imagine the internet and yeah, yeah hiv I, specifically that one i was like is it possible to have nostalgia for something that hasn't happened yet like because that's what kind of it feels like they're feeling yeah and it's so and of course like i got really sad watching that i'm like you also couldn't know that in 2020 we're all gonna be locked inside <laughs> of our houses <laughs> for six months yeah oh god hey everyone sorry to interrupt but this is a preview of our full review of the 2016 film 20th century women here on the next best picture podcast in order to get the full review you will have to head on over to patreon where for one dollar minimum a month you will get this review and other exclusive podcast content from nextbestpicture.com you have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news. 
Daily.